for a repeat appearance. I'm back here at South Point Studios. Matt Never with you for Sports by the Book, joined by my lovely co-host Alex White here on a Tuesday afternoon, all of a sudden getting ever closer to the Super Bowl. Uh, we got a full crew behind the glass today as well. Jerry, Caden, Ann, and the Drew Dog doing their best to make us look and sound good. We got a jam-packed show here for you today. Coming to you live from the South Point Studios, right off the side of the South Point Sportsbook, jam-packed on a Tuesday. But what else is new here at the South Point? Uh, be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Give us your live comments. We'll read our favorite ones throughout the show. We're up over 1,100 subscribers trying to go for that drive for 2,000 by the Super Bowl. We'll see if we can get there. We need you to like, comment, subscribe. Give us your live comments as well. And we'll open the show as we have for the last couple of days, couple of weeks, really. We're talking NFL. Have to. Because it's the, the void that the NFL leaves once it's done <laughs> is you, you can't imagine it as a person week to week, day to day, who's involved in it like we are. Uh, there's just so much content, so many numbers to pour through, and then it leaves you a void. When it's done. So we, we got to enjoy this last week and a half until the Super Bowl, huh? You're 100% right, Matt. And college football, a little bit of the same. You have the championship game and then that's over. But you have NFL still to finish out the year. So, yeah, you're right. Once football's gone, then it's a long off season waiting till August for both of these to start again. And nothing against college football. I'm a college football nut, as we all are. There's just something so oversaturated with the bowl season. And then by the time you get to the championship game, you're like, all right, I've seen... 40, 50, 60 of these bowls. Like, let's just get to the ones that matter. And, uh, yeah, but it does leave a void, and the NFL absolutely leaves a gaping black hole in the uh, the, the sports betting landscape. Uh, we're we're going to take a look here at the, the updated number because right yeah. before we took the air yesterday, the line was sitting at 49ers minus one in this one. It moved to one and a half with a trio of big bets all coming in on the 49ers. Jimmy Vaccaro brought them in literally, I think, as we took the air yesterday. And uh, I think we might still have the pictures of them, but it was three bets totaling, uh, it was, I think, $180,000. And those alone moved the line to one and a half. Well, lo and behold, some uh, more steady coming, or steady action, I should say, coming in on the Niners has pushed it back up to two. They moved it back up to the, the full two at about 90 in this morning. And we were talking to Jimmy Vaccaro right before we took the air today about the difference in betting at the window versus betting at the your, your, you know, your couch on, right. on the app. And the difference between betting in the Super Bowl, betting football in general 20, 30 years ago compared to now is is striking. But there's a couple of things that you got to keep in mind uh, when, when it comes to betting on the app. Well, especially for those of you who are coming to Vegas to enjoy the Super Bowl, you want to get your bets in. You think you can just drive here. Once you're in the city, you sign up on your app. But most places you do have to come into the casino, into the sports book and make the initial sign up and then you're good to go. Yeah, and, and that's everywhere in Nevada. If, if you're coming to the Super Bowl, if you want to open an account, you have to stop by at the counter. Granted, the only time that you have to, this is as a, a former uh, sportsbook employee at one of the shops in town, literally you come in, you give, you, you, you get the paperwork first, and then you come back with the, the filled out paperwork, your ID, and your initial deposit. Usually they'll require $50 to $100. Uh, and then after that, you can do anywhere in the state of Nevada. O other states will let you sign up just anywhere as long as you're physically in the state. I know I've taken advantage of some some welcome offers in Arizona driving across the, the Hoover Dam and back. But yeah, Nevada, a little bit more strict. They're not going to let you do that. So come into the book and sign up if you want to take a look at some of these numbers. But we're back to two on the 49ers. I know I'm a little bit surprised to see the number going back up towards the favorite. It, an early line move towards the dog typically continues throughout the game, but it's gone backwards. It's flipped now. I'm a little surprised too. And Lou was on our show yesterday and he did a great job and he made a great point. He said, trust your bookmaker. So I don't know if people are feeling that same kind of way. Like they opened it. Niners is the favorite. People are going back to the Niners. We're the best power rated team through majority of the season this year. The Ravens beat them at home, you know, pretty, pretty good they, by a, quite a bit there. And the Niners still stayed right there with the Ravens, if not above them like going into the postseason here. So you kind of got to remember that as well, even though you also want to make sure to consider current form with both teams. And right now, the Chiefs are playing as the better team, I would say. Yeah, that game, the Ravens, lo and behold, did it with the run game. They couldn't get it going against the Chiefs, <laughs> and it ultimately cost them a chance at the Super Bowl. Don't forget, here at South Point as well, you can get the minus 105 line. Yes. Line might be a little bit different, but that's been a super, super popular one. And 
I know one that Chris Andrews and company really like to promote to to get people in the house, get a little softer of a line, maybe a different number. But if for your money, we had Vinny Maiola talking. Yeah. If you're going to bet one hundred and five thousand as opposed to one hundred and ten thousand, if you're that type of player, that's a huge, huge difference. And you can really only get that at a few local places in town. The South Point being one of them. There's a lot of ways to take advantage of betting the Super Bowl. And I'll just throw out too, in case anybody's watching who's never really bet yet, I would suggest. Coming into the book early, especially before the weekend leading up to the Super Bowl, because, I mean, it, it, women, too, are jumping into this industry, which, you know, we're encouraging and we want more. Um, it's very intimidating when it's full and you're waiting in line and you're looking at the numbers there. So get familiar with it first. Come stop by, um, especially here at South Point. They're so friendly. Chris, Vinny, Jimmy, they'll all help you, explain you. We'll help you if you come here. Um, but, yeah, so get familiar. Don't wait till the last minute. I we say it every year, and still, every sports book in town has lines just waiting to get their bets in. Oh, yeah. And it's not as intimidating as you would think, especially, like we said, right behind us. Very, yeah. Chris, Vinny, Jimmy, whoever back behind the counter. I've never had a, not even a remotely bad negative experience. It's been all exceedingly positive here at South Point. And that's I'll not just because they, they employ us. I, I'm saying from a women's... <laughs> Um, standpoint, because I remember making my first bet 10 years ago. It was pretty intimidating, right? And it's mostly men in there, but not anymore. I mean, we have definitely grown and it's way more popular and more people are doing it. But I just mean first time, you know? Yeah. Well, and one of the ways that first timers and, and people that haven't necessarily bet a ton are getting involved in the Super Bowl is with prop bets. And yes. we're going to be talking next week on the Monday show. Everyone in town will have their prop betting packets out. And even as a, as a kid, I would get those via email from a family friend and just pour through them. And me and my brothers would make up contests and do all kinds of crazy stuff. So the Super Bowl prop betting packet, at least in our lifetimes, has always been something that, that we've taken a look at. And we'll talk plenty of props. That'll be our, our, our prop talk show on Monday. But I thought we'd have a fun little game here with some early numbers that are out. We're going to call it this or that. So we've got five different graphics. And it's basically a 50-50 shot. You know, two bets with even or close enough odds and we're going to go back and forth now and just say which ones we like first so this was actually one of the ones that you had suggested when we talked about doing this segment and i think it's one that is uh, really good because you can get it on either side the chiefs at plus 110 which is the updated money line that's just to win the game or patrick mahomes to win super bowl mvp and that's actually a little higher odds at plus 130 i, I think that that number is a little bit surprising to me i figured he'd be about even money no, you're right. And this is something I've looked at for the past few years, especially, um, I mean, last year we had Patrick Mahomes as an underdog as well, and you could get great value with him as MVP. I think that is the route I would go if I like the Chiefs winning this game. I mean, Travis Kelsey, you cannot take away what he has done in this postseason, especially the last two games. He's looked phenomenal. But I mean, I was asking you off air, how many times has a tight end won the MVP? This many, zero. Zero times. So, I mean, if they're going to win this game, it's going to fall on Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's a great bet, and you're getting a good value there. It's almost, unless somebody absolutely goes crazy, just a money line bet with a better value because there's been 57 Super Bowls. The quarterback of the winning team has been the MVP 32 times out of that 57. So you're getting a better than a 50-50 shot that basically you're getting a money line bet at an extra 20 cents on your dollar. That's right. So I'm, I'm with you there. I, I like the Mahomes one. You're running a little bit of a risk if tra Travis Kelsey is one of probably two tight ends in the history mm -hmm. of the league that could potentially have a, have a shot at Super Bowl MVP pregame. If anyone, I, I'm going to put it out there, if anyone gets Super Bowl MVP and the Chiefs win and it's not Patrick Mahomes, I think it's got to be Kelsey. He's that type of player. But again, the numbers back it up. Who was the other one you were thinking? Was that Gronk? Gronk, yeah. And who was his quarterback? Tom Brady. I feel like that right there is kind of their disadvantage, right? They yeah. are two of the best to ever do it. But with their um, GOAT quarterbacks, yeah. it, it makes it tough. But I I mean, I I am with you there. That's a little tough. It could be Travis Kelsey. Also, Snead or maybe some really good defensive players you could look at if you're looking for really long shots. But just in this, comparing those two, yeah, I think I would. If I really like the Chiefs to win this game, I think I would. Definitely put a little bit on Patrick Mahomes MVP right. as well. So we're both taking the extra 20 cents on the dollar. Our next one uh, are two guys that have the exact same anytime touchdown odds. Rasheed Rice, anytime touchdown at plus 140, or Debo Samuel with the same odds. I was surprised that Samuel's number was a, a, was that high. I thought it'd be a little bit lower, closer to even money. But Rasheed Rice is a guy that has kind of come out of the woodwork and become quickly one of Patrick Mahomes' favorite targets. This one's tough. It really is, especially because we've seen the Niners. Their weakness is against the run, right? So we're, are they going to lean on Pacheco and really 
dive in there or is he going to have to use Rice? So that that's tough. But then again, with the Niners side, they have so many weapons. It could be Brandon Ayuk. It could definitely be McCaffrey who had, what, two touchdowns last week mm -hmm. as well. So I think I would probably lean on Rasheed Rice here. I will say, I, I just looked up his game log. He has one touchdown this playoffs and it was in that Miami game. Um, he didn't, didn't score in either of the last two divisional round and championship games. So while he is Mahomes, one of Mahomes' favorite targets, he's not who he necessarily goes to on the goal line. I think personally that Debo Samuel is going to have more opportunity. He gets those rushing touches. So for my money, I'm going to go with, with Debo. So we're, we're on, on opposite ends on this one. That's tough. And I do, um, Jeff and I actually, Saturday before our show, I told him, I was like, hey, Debo's 60-1 to 1 to win MVP. Should we put a little bit on there? So we both have a little ticket on that. I'm going to need Debo Samuel to score a touchdown <laughs> if I want that to win as well. So, I mean, either of them are great options, but. You need at least one touchdown from Debo at for least. that. <laughs> uh, our next one, two guys on the same team with uh, the same uh, touchdown odds. I thought this was a good comparison. Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, both at plus 175 anytime touchdown. Kittle really wasn't much of a factor in the game against the Lions. I think that they feature him a lot more heavily in the game plan this week. And next I, week, I should say. I think Lou said that same thing, and I was all over George Kittle. I had his over-receiving. I um, was talking about that on the show Sunday, so that didn't pan out for me. I'm going to have to go the other way, though, because we had Matt Hamilton on our show Sunday. He made a great point um, in the six games that Brandon Ayuk scored a touchdown. They won the game. He's a big component there. He scored again in their comeback win against the Lions, so I would go with Brandon Ayuk again. And Ayuk was a uh, Lions defender face mask and a yard away from a touchdown in the, in the game last week. So another one that we're on the other side. And again, like I said, I just think that they feature Kittle a little bit more heavily, especially towards the goal line. Do. When the, uh, the Chiefs defense has done a great job uh, in those short goal-to-go situations with their backs against the wall. All right, these next two are a little bit more fun. Uh, and there, there is a little bit of research that I've done to go along with these. Uh, the next one, Christian McCaffrey to win the MVP of the game at plus 225. Okay. Or Chris Jones and Nick Bosa each to record at least a half a sack. And that's at two to one. So you're getting a little bit better value on that. Uh, I think if there is anyone that records a sack for either team, it's, it's those two guys. Uh, both, done, both teams, I should say, have done a great job of protecting the quarterbacks. You, you don't get to the Super Bowl without protecting your quarterback well. Like I said, I think if anybody gets a sack on either team, it's going to be those two guys. Christian McCaffrey, you get a little bit better odds. But the, the research, there have only been seven running back MVPs in the 57 Super Bowls. So he would need to have a phenomenal game. This is really tough. So I saw something today, Matt. You'll have to tell me if it's incorrect. I saw something that Chris Jones could potentially be benched because he hasn't been performing as well, which I thought was absolutely crazy. And Chase Young um, needs to be sat down <laughs> on um, the other side. Yeah, well. <laughs> With his lack of effort last week. Maybe it was Chase Young, actually. Now that you there was a that. There was a, a, a <laughs> rush touchdown for the Lions in that okay. game where – it, it's been shared around social media. He was just kind of jogging behind him, really low effort. Um, I, I mean, I could see either I'm or. glad you said that. Maybe that is correct. But um, I agree with you. I think that if we was going to be two, it would be those two to get a sack. But I love this value with Christian McCaffrey. I know only seven running backs, but he's the best running back in the league. So if there was a guy to get it, it would be him. Especially, I mean, the Niners were there four years ago. Couldn't get it done. Now they added him to their offense, and it's been a game changer. He's Probably not going to get the regular season MVP, so maybe he'll get the Super Bowl MVP. When you want to talk about a guy who's well-rounded, like Debo Samuel, and has opportunities to score in a couple of different ways, Christian McCaffrey, uh, I, I like that as well. Because you're, you're betting on sacks. Like I said, both of these teams have done a great job on protecting the quarterbacks, keeping them upright, and that's how they got to this point. So I'm, I'm with you. That's another one that we're on. All right, our last one. These are the, the, the longer, longish shots. I could see either of these happening, but they're both at 9-1+. to one plus. Travis Kelsey to catch every target, which is uh, plus 950, or Christian McCaffrey to record a rushing and a receiving touchdown in the game. That one's at 9-1. to one. Okay, so I didn't do any research on this yet, except for I do have McCaffrey's stats up, so I can give you those. I know you did research on Travis Kelsey. I'm going to go with McCaffrey again, double down here, because he is such a huge part of that offense. So total receiving yards on the year is... Seven, seven receiving yards on, I mean, set receiving touchdowns on the year. So I could definitely see that happening in this big game. So my number on that one, Christian McCaffrey hasn't had a receiving touchdown in the last four games. So there's those that, that think he might be due. Um, he has done both a rushing and a receiving touchdown in the same game four times this season. Very good. In now what, eight, 18, 19 games. 
So I, I like that one better. Okay. Although Travis Kelsey, when the ball is in his hands or anywhere near a catchable ball, he has seven drops on 121 targets this season. Wow. So you're, but you're also playing a good defense for the 49ers, especially when it comes to the man-on-man in the pass game. Yeah. Because it could be a target. It could get knocked down. I think that one's a little bit more risky to play. I think so, too. And I think based on what we had said about Christian McCaffrey with the potential to win MVP as a running back, I think he would need a rushing and a receiving touchdown. So that's what that's what I'm going to go with at 9-1. to one. That, That's not a bad bet at all at 9-1 to one odds. If there's anyone that's going to do it, it's him or Debo, right? You're just picking which one. Yep, absolutely. And Debo's odds were, I think, closer to 15-16-1. to 16 to one. So okay. for the sake of this game, I had to find another one to match with the Travis Kelsey. So that's Super Bowl this or that. Again, on Monday, Alex and I will have plenty of prop talk. We're going to have the packets uh, that are uh, as thick as any book you could imagine from both behind us and the Westgate. We're going to compare, contrast. Uh, give some of our favorite cross-sport prop bets, because those are my favorite ones. Are they? Yeah, like, you know, Knicks, team rebounds, or Travis Kelsey receiving yards, something like that. I, I love those Those ones. are very tough, but, we'll, yeah, we'll dive into them. We'll, we'll do our best we'll to help those, people win some money. I'll, we'll do those on Monday. Jeff Parles will be back in the chair tomorrow. Uh, meanwhile, coming up in about 15 minutes, Steve Jones Jr. joins us, former college basketball player, former NBA assistant coach, does a lot of NBA media content now and does a show pretty regularly with J.J. Redick. I think that's what we're going to lead with him is, <laughs> is how did that come to be? Because I, I am a J.J. Redick fan. Uh, if, if, there are, if there is one J.J. Redick fan on the planet, it, it is me. He's the man, uh, both on the court and off the court. But before we get to uh, Steve, we're going to talk our uh, college basketball plays of the day because there was a rather paltry slate yesterday. You and I both lost Houston by a point in overtime. Frank Nicotero got the sharp line. Yeah. He got four and a half, so he lost by the hook, which is a little bit more... Uh, you know, manageable, easier to swallow. You and I lost by the full point. You, we were texting back and forth, and as soon as it went to overtime, we were like, "All right, we yeah. like it." And then the, the number one team in Ken Palm couldn't uh, couldn't get it done in a rivalry game against Texas. But a full full slate tonight. Uh, the first game that we'll just touch on real quick is a game that starts in 15 minutes. Uh, South Carolina at number five, Tennessee. Tennessee laying a big number, but I think it's one that they can cover in an SEC matchup. Yeah, I had no interest in this because it is such a big number, but they are at home. Um, this team, Tennessee, five and one in conference, but just three and three against the spread. That kind of kept me off of this. South Carolina, on the other hand, five and two here in SEC play. So, I mean, straight up and against the spread. So they might be able to keep it closer than you think. Gamecocks, a team on the rise in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, we'll just go down the rotation number. First one that uh, one, either of us has a, a play or a lean on is going to be six seventeen, six eighteen in the rotation as Iowa uh, catching a point. At Indiana, game that starts at 4 o'clock here on the West Coast. You can watch that one at Big Ten Network as soon as you're done watching us. Uh, you have an opinion on the total on this one. It's up to 160 now, but it was 159 when you got it yesterday. I did. I grabbed 159. I'm going over this total. I still like it at 160 and a half. Iowa plays very up-tempo, 11th quickest in the country. Their second quickest in the Big Ten, about 71 and a half possessions per game. They are 14 and six to the over, six and three to the over in conference play. So I think that they will control the pace here in this game. They are the better team. That's why they are favored on the road. So I like this being a high scoring game. And the Big Ten, almost a, the inverse of how they are in football and basketball. They're, they're a pretty high flying conference Isn't on the hard funny? Yeah. yeah. And Jeff and I always talk about, especially Iowa. Yeah. They, they've just found <laughs> ways, uh, Fran McCaffrey's team, they, they love to run up and down. Uh, one that I've got to play on is the next one down, 619-620, as number nine Marquette heads to Philly to take on the Villanova Wildcats. And Villanova, minus one, total of 143 and a half. That game starting at 4 o'clock as well on FS1. I'm on the Golden Eagles as a one-point road dog, and I, I scooped up the money line. Uh, the, this Marquette team won by 10 points, 74-64, less than two weeks ago at home. I don't think there's a 10-point difference in, in home versus road in this matchup. I'll take the better defensive team. Uh, Marquette in that game, by the way, oh, two weeks ago, enjoyed a 14-2 to bench point differential. Okay. So they're a, a deeper team by far. I'll take that in a, in a road game. I'll take the deeper team for sure. And one other note that I've got on this one is that Villanova is 294th in the country in field goal percentage and 240th in three-point percentage. Meanwhile, uh, Marquette 12th in interior scoring percentage. They're one of the best interior teams, so... Uh, I'll, I'll take the strong inside team with a deeper bench in a conference game. Oh, yeah, it's the number nine team in the country. Give me Marquette. Give me the money line as a road dog, which you'll see is my, my theme of the day. Um, one game that neither of us have a, a play on, but I was really interested to see your, your thoughts in general is in the Big 12 is number 15 Texas Tech takes on number five. 
TCU or 25 rather TCU. The Horned Frogs minus three and a half points. This game starts at four on ESPN. The Deuce. What are your thoughts on this one? Because the, the Big 12 top to bottom is just phenomenal and so fun to keep up with. They really are. I thought this number was just right. I think these two are about one point different away from each other. TCU being a little bit better than Texas Tech, and they are at home here. So, of course, they get that advantage, and that bumps that number up a little bit. You have to lay a little more. But very closely rated. This is going to be a great game. I'm excited to watch this one. And then one more that neither of us have a play on, but I wanted to get this one in for our guy, Ryan McCormick. Congratulations to Ryan and his girlfriend, Tiff. Baby Aubrey, born uh, less than three days ago. So the, uh, I'm filling in, pulled double duty today. Produced punchlines and uh, hosting Sports by the Book. Wouldn't have it any other way due to the extenuating circumstance of the miracle of life. And he's a big UNC Tar Heels fan. Yes, he is. And, and I have been uh, betting them a lot this year already. And him and I are in agreement usually on those games. Sometimes he tells me, hey, this is one of the ones that they're going to lose. But you can count on this team right now. They are, they've been red hot. They are Eight and three straight up and eight and three against the spread on the road. Like that's unheard of in college basketball. So this Tar Heels team is legit. I do want to just say too, for anybody who is watching, great job doing double duty. Thank you. I watched Punchline today. It was a great show and Paul Himbo was a great guest you guys had. So if you didn't see it, go back and make sure you watch that Punchlines episode today. Yeah, very active. I will say the one thing about Punchlines, he Frank Nicotero has done a great job of fostering a collaborative environment. He loves the live comments. So do we. Give us your live comments. Uh, we'll, we'll read our favorite ones on the air. Uh, but brought up Ryan, brought up UNC. They're laying nine tonight at Georgia Tech. You said they had been eight and three, both straight up and ATS, yes. on the road alone this right. year. Do you like that trend to continue tonight? I mean, I I made them a lot higher than this. So uh, I would only lean to North Carolina here. I didn't, I didn't lay the big number again. But yes, I would, I would be my side. And speaking of live comments, Frank Nicotero says, do not adjust my chair. I don't know if I can. These chairs, uh, these chairs don't adjust that well. I'm not that much taller. Come on, Frank. Give yourself a little credit. Uh, another one that you've got to play on, and another one in the Big 12. It's a game that I had circled, 635-636 on the rotation. Number 23, Oklahoma, at Kansas State, and it's the home side. Kansas State laying two and a half, sometimes three, and you're going to go with the ranked team catching points on the road. I am. It's just, this is going to be a great game. Both these teams... Kind of need to, uh, they need this. They're both coming off two losses in a row. But I like Oklahoma here getting the points. I think they're about seven points better than Kansas State. So even with the home court, I think you're getting great value here getting points with Oklahoma. That game starts at five. You can find that one on the Big 12 Network. The one game that's not nationally televised that you have a play on yes. is the Egg Bowl on the basketball court. Do, do they call it the Egg Bowl when, it, when it's the... Uh basketball iteration mississippi mississippi or Ole miss i should say versus uh mississippi state i'm gonna lean to you on that one because you know more of these nicknames and stuff than me so as long as there think? isn't a player that goes down and pretends to be a dog urinating they're doing better than the uh, football iteration of this rivalry because this is one of the the most hotly contested rivalries in the country and especially down south Ole miss against mississippi state you think it's a grind them out defensive game and you like under 137 and a half i do i went under 137 and a half Two straight unders for Mississippi State. Ole Miss 4-1 and one to the under in their last five, and they play at a very slow pace, 243rd in the country. So I'm looking at them to control the pace in this one, being at home, and I like under that. Dogs and unders in rivalry games. It's especially, actually gone against me. It's gone up. Oh, so. man. So if you want to get in on that, now is the time. Because, yeah, that thing flew way up. Do you like it at 140? I love it at 140 going under, but that, there's no other sport that – scares me like college basketball with the number moving away from you would you agree well yeah because like in the nba line moves are so customary you know you'll see a four-point line move every single night in the nba from where the opener was to where it closes and that's not a big deal it's the injury reports it's the nature of the game but in college basketball where there's so much information out and teams aren't as good at disguising injuries and right. keeping information private I will say, yeah, that, that, that the line moves in college basketball scare me way more than in the NBA. And you know the Sharps are betting college basketball very heavy, especially right now, leading up to the tournament. So it does. But college football even never really bothered me when the line was against me. Not like college basketball. It, it is a different betting market. And we said on this show before, college basketball, unless you just have no free time, no life outside of college basketball, uh, you're, you're betting numbers more than you're betting personnel or betting line moves a, a lot of the time. And like like you had mentioned as well, this is the time of year where a lot of the Sharps will develop and see what works, what doesn't work as far as patterns, trends, yes. rivalries, matchups, because you can take it not only into the conference tournaments with these matchups at this time of year, but in the NCAA tournament as well. So yeah, we, we've heard that 
time and time again from old school betters. This right now, January and early February, is when a lot of patterns are form in college basketball that you can bet. See, and this game, I'm looking at it more as it's going to be an under because we've seen a ton of overs this year, but that was more in non-con. As we started seeing conference games, they've been playing better defense, so I'm hoping that goes to me, but we'll see what happens tonight. And I've got two more plays. That, that, that's, that's it for your action tonight, right? At least on the college slate. That is it for me. So I've got two plays, one in the Mountain West, 633 or 634. 643, 644. Let me try that again. Too many numbers. Uh, Wyoming on the road at Air Force. And this is a, a very interesting matchup. Wyoming is a team surging. Air Force defeated UNLV by 30-plus here in Vegas last week, but then went and lost at home against Fresno State. Wyoming beat Fresno State two weeks ago. Wyoming has also, in two of their last three games, knocked off Nevada and Colorado State. Both of those were at home surrounding a loss at San Diego State. And while Wyoming has not traveled well this year, I think this is a mispriced game. Air Force has lost nine of their last 10. Wyoming's catching four points. And they're just two games back in the Mountain West. That's how tough the Mountain West is. And uh, I really like Wyoming to travel well. Uh, Air Force won both matchups last year, but you can't take anything last year's Wyoming team into this year. They had four players quit in the middle of the season, which is unprecedented. So uh, I love the Cowboys. We'll have to get our, our guest coming up, Steve Jones Jr.'s thoughts on the Mountain West as a whole, because we're going to talk NBA, but as a former college basketball player, spent a year at UNLV in the Mountain West. I'm sure he's got an opinion on just the strength of the league as a whole, because it is better than it has ever been in terms of national relevancy. And then my last play of the day is the last big game of the day, Michigan at Michigan State. And while this is not your grandfather's Michigan Wolverines team, they have been really abysmal over the last couple of years, but we were just talking about rivalry games, dogs and unders. I like the Wolverines playing in East Lansing. I got them at plus 12. It was 11 and a half lines going with me, so I snapped it up at 12. That game starts at 6 on Peacock. Uh, that's more of just a blind play on the rivalry game, and they're I think the Wolverines is able to keep it close. They may lose by double digits, but it still cashes your bet at plus 12. No, I like it. That's the only way I would play it. I didn't think Michigan State should be favored that much That's here. a big, over, big line. So yeah, over Michigan. My three plays all road dogs, which scares me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just gulp and hope for the best because I think one of those lines is mispriced. One of them is in a rivalry game, and then the other is one that I have a strong feel on on the number nine ranked team in the country, Marquette, going to a rivalry game at Villanova. Can't, can't hate you for that at all. I've got a little bit of everything. I've got an under and over, and then I've got myself a road dog as well. Alex White spreading the board as <laughs> usual. So those are college plays. We'll recap them at the end for you. We'll have a nice graphic if you want to try, because every game starts basically right when we get off the air at 4 o'clock here on the West Coast. We're going to step aside for a two-minute break, but when we come back, really excited to talk to our guest, Steve Jones Jr. We're going to talk the association. We're going to talk MVP. We're going to talk futures odds. Plenty of basketball talk coming up. Don't go anywhere. Back in 120 seconds. South Point offers all the types of entertainment you'd expect at a first-class Las Vegas resort. Did you know our 400-seat showroom is one of Las Vegas's top destinations for live entertainment? Enjoy live performances by classic Vegas entertainers, bands, and today's hottest comedians, plus a rock and dance floor. You can also enjoy live entertainment at the Grand View Lounge, where you'll feel all the vibes of old Las Vegas. Enjoy the music, and if you love to laugh, don't miss The Dirty at 1230, our very own free comedy show, every Friday night at 1230 a.m. in the Grand View Lounge. The Dirty is 100% free, so arrive early. Go to southpointcasino.com or call the box office at 77136 for today's performances at the showroom and the Grand View Lounge. When you're ready for your favorite cocktail, stop in and unwind at one of our seven specialty lounges. There's a bar around every corner, because you're in Vegas, baby. South Point Casino has plenty of attractions for the whole family. Catch a movie. Our 16-screen movie theater includes two XD extreme screens for the ultimate in viewing, sound, and luxury. After the show, treat the family to a variety of treats at our old-fashioned ice cream parlor, Kate's Corner. We scoop up a variety of creamy concoctions, including smoothies, hand-dipped cones, milkshakes, malts, sodas, and sundaes. At Kate's, there's something for everyone. And if you've still got time to spare, our bowling center might be right up your alley. Voted Best of Las Vegas, it's a great place for friends and family fun. 64 lanes, a pro shop, snack bar, and arcade. 
And while the kids are bowling, you can play slots and sip on a drink in the Alley Cat Lounge while overlooking the lanes. For our more serious and professional bowlers, the South Point is also home to a separate tournament bowling plaza. Welcome back in. It's Sports by the Book here from the South Point Studios. She's Alex White. I'm Matt Neverd, and joining us now, really excited to chop it up with this guy, Steve Jones Jr., his dad, Steve the Snapper Jones, a longtime ABA player, longtime broadcaster, and uh, you've been doing a ton of content when it comes to the NBA, played collegiately at Arizona State, and uh, a year here at UNLV with a transfer year in the middle. That's unheard of in in today's day and age, having to take a a whole year off just because you transferred once, and uh, it's, it's been interesting to kind of keep up with your journey. Want to start off, though, Steve, you do a lot with J.J. Redick. And I mentioned earlier, I'm a big J.J. Redick guy. He's a, a frequent guest. You go on his content. He comes on your Dunker Spot podcast. How did you get hooked up with J.J. Redick, and what's it like working with him? Uh, it's amazing, number one. Uh, just doing a lot of things as far as social media, putting out videos on basketball, talking about basketball, doing the podcast. He took a liking to it and was able to elevate us and have us join in and it's kind of just gone from there, but it's been a blast. Obviously, it, not only is he very knowledgeable, very funny, uh, very easy to kind of just continue to talk through the game and kind of get that player's perspective and, and just try and inform the masses on what's going on, on and off the court. Now, you played in college, as mentioned, Arizona State and UNLV, and then went into coaching. How did that transition happen, and what were some of the challenges going from playing college ball to coaching professional? Uh, well, one of the biggest challenges that happened from playing college ball to coaching professional is it's a whole different ball game. It's like a different language, different type of game, uh, different level of talent, uh, different schemes. You're trying to understand and elevate how do you take things away from players that are very great. Uh, Coaching-wise, you have to earn the respect and trust of those players. So you spend a lot of time studying film, uh, knowing a lot of things, play call schemes. So when they do come to you, you have the right answers. You're trying to guide them. But it's big on communication. I mean, you build relationships, you communicate, uh, you build that bond and respect, and you're able to kind of grow from there. Before we go into conferences and then who you like this year, I know you cover NBA very closely. We've had some crazy games lately. We've had Embiid, we had uh, Luka score over 70 points or 70 points. Why has the game changed so much? A scoring spree, huge. I mean, I think it was what the uh, there's five times in NBA history that uh, two players have scored 60 or more in the same day. That happened twice last week. Uh, I think it's one of those deals where it uh, one, these guys are very talented. They're very skilled. They're hunting earlier shots. The shot making is is insane. And defenses, it's really hard to sustain your efforts. And you like these guys keep coming at you. They know what you're about to do. They just hit a shot right in your face on the double team. So I think it's a lot of just versatility, the tempo, how fast these guys are playing and willing to get in. Like you look at Joel Embiid, he's able to, you know, not only score those points, he scored them over a seven foot four individual a lot at the start in Victor Wimanyama. So it's just kind of the game has evolved in a different way. And these guys can do so many things. And one of the things that I, I have followed JJ Redick on for years, and I don't know if he's brought it up in any of your content, but when people ask him about why the scoring is up and especially why, going back to an earlier question, why the NBA style is so different than in college, he goes, it's easy. There's a shorter clock. There's more space on the floor. There's more possessions. There's more opportunity. And you said it earlier, we're seeing a lot more shots early in the shot clock. Is that something that we can see continuing to, to become the trend, or do you think there's going to be a regression the other way, get that, that 90s-style bad boy defense where the games go low? I don't think we're ever going to go back to the 90s, and for a lot of people who say they miss defense, I don't think they actually want to go back to the 90s, but I do think defenses will eventually catch up. I just think it's it's really hard because it's a copycat league, so when a team is successful, someone else is going to try that style. More and more teams, if you quote-unquote the bad teams, they have ball movement, they're attacking, they're getting to drive and kick and getting those early shots. So it's just going to be on defense to try and figure out ways to counter. And as you have more variety of defenders, different size guys, it may impact and change things. But right now, offenses are ahead of the game. All right, let's get into it. I'm going to start with the Eastern Conference because I don't really know who the top is. I know the Celtics have the best record and they've been there for the last couple of years, but we've got the Bucks, we've got the Sixers who've been surprisingly fantastic, even without James Harden. And then the Knicks and the Cavs are kind of sneaking their way up. 
from a betting standpoint, is there any long shots that you um you would look at? Well, you said long shots, so I guess take the Celtics and Bucks out of there, the favorites. Yeah. I would say keep an eye. I was going to say Knicks, but Julius Randle's out. He's hurt. He's banged up. That could be an interesting. Keep an eye on the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have been playing really well. They have been injured. They've had they've missed Evan Mobley for a very long time. They missed Darius Garland for a very long time. Evan Mobley's already back. Darius Garland's going to come back. Their ability to play defense, their ability to score behind Donovan Mitchell, their team play, their tempo has improved, their pace has improved. And then defensively, having Mobley's versatility, having Jared Allen in the paint, they're going to be someone that's tough to deal with in the playoffs. So if you think about a long shot, stylistically, uh, obviously, they struggled last year, but I think you take those lessons you learned from then. Uh, maybe you get in, a, you know, in that four or five matchup. See if you can have some fun with Boston, and away we go. So, if we're talking long shot, I would, I would keep it on the Cavs. I like it. They are twenty-five to one to win the Eastern Conference. But then you brought up the Celtics and the Bucks. Who do you like out of those two? Right now, it's the Celtics. Uh, I think having that starting lineup: Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Derek White, Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, they are just too good with Drew Holiday on both ends of the floor. So it's very hard to compete when they are playing the right way. When the ball is moving defensively, they can throw different things at you. So I think it's going to be really hard to stop them in the regular season. I think they're built for the playoffs uh, as far as those guys are going to play heavier minutes. They can really disrupt you defensively. Offensively, you got to deal with a whole lot. They can space the floor. They have a lot of guys who can drive and kick. So I think the, the Celtics for me are running. It's hard to bet against Giannis and Dame, but I probably go Celtics as of right now. Steve Jones Jr. joins us here on Sports by the Book at Steve Jones 20 on social media. And one team that has been rapidly rising up the odds boards throughout the year, and in my eyes, is a legitimate contender to win everything is the Clippers. They're at five to one to win the title right now. It's the Celtics, Bucks, Nuggets, Clippers. In terms of the top four odds, where do you see the Clippers when it comes to playing against this upper echelon, the elite of the NBA? I think the Clippers actually are a part of the elite of the NBA. I think they're in that top tier. I think outside of the Denver matchup, there's, they can beat every team in the Western Conference. Kawhi Leonard has been excellent this season. He's been able to continue playing and stay healthy. The James Harden trade has been a huge boost for them offensively with his playmaking, uh, with his pick and roll play and what that opens up for them offensively. He hasn't had to carry the load, but still has the opportunity to do James Harden type things. Paul George has been great. And as they've built this thing out, because they made that trade so early in the season, they've been able to take the bumps. They've been one of the best teams in the NBA. Um, obviously, just coming off a loss, but I think they're 22-5 and five since December. Wow. So this is a team that can really just lock in defensively. That's the biggest thing. You know, I know they started slow, but the defense has been strong. The offense has been coming along. And having to deal with Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George in a playoff series, not fun, not ideal. So I, I – Outside of Denver, because of Jokic, I think the Clippers are right there. Yeah, back when the Celtics had the big three of Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett, that was the the outsider. That was the random, oh my God, they got three amazing scores together. Now you basically have to have a big three to be in that in that upper echelon, unless you got a guy like Giannis or a guy like Embiid. Or there's very, very few players, maybe LeBron James, that you don't need a big three to win anymore. But looking further down those odds boards, there are two teams listed at 40-1 to 1 to win the NBA title. And they're two teams with a very different roster construction. It's the Golden State Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks. If you had $100 handed to you right now at 40 to 1 odds, who's your bet going to go on to win the NBA title, the Warriors or the Mavs? 15 out of 17 years or 15 out of 17 times you've asked me that, I'd say the Warriors. This year I picked Dallas. I think that Golden State has the potential with Stephen Curry. It's hard to bet against Stephen Curry, but they are the West is very tough, and they are behind the eight ball right now. Luka is playing at such a high level, and with his blend of scoring and playmaking, he can take any scheme you throw at him and just kind of throw it over the top rope. If you want to switch, you want to put two on the ball, you want to drop, he's going to find a way to make that work and power that. Uh, pairing him with Kyrie, I would probably put my uh, put my uh, put that hundred dollars you handed me on Dallas. A lot of talk going around about trade rumors. Which team do you see making big trades enough to help them make a push for the championship? Uh, I'd probably go the Lakers. I think the Lakers would be the team that would make a move just because of how it is right now, 24 and 24, with Anthony Davis and LeBron James playing at this level that they are right now. Uh, it's clear they they have potential. 
they may be the team that looks to make a move to try and boost things back up and make another run at it. So that's probably the number one team for me where I'm like, I could see them trying to swing for the fences here. You brought up the Lakers. They won the first in-season tournament. What was your uh, overall thoughts about how that went? I love the in-season tournament. I thought it was very a very good idea from the NBA to have like just very competitive basketball. The grouping made sure that quality teams were playing quality teams, and then you had the buy-in from the players as far as as things built up. Hey, we're competitive. We want to win. Uh, the colorful courts were very fun. Uh, the incentives were great, and then you built up towards the finale in Vegas, and you could just kind of feel the momentum going as it kept uh, building. Now, obviously, the Lakers tailed off after the in-season tournament win, so that's something to keep an eye on, but I, I love the execution of it, and, and I can't wait to see how it continues to grow. I mean, you talk incentives. Money, money. That'll get you to do <laughs> That'll get you to play hard, especially if you're an, an aging player like a LeBron James. Go figure. The Lakers thrive in these weird, unique niche environments, the, the 2020 bubble, the in-season tournament. I, I'm with you, though, Steve. I initially, when I heard the idea, was like, this is a gimmick. I, I hated I, I still not a fan of the courts in general. I didn't like the designs, but that's just a personal opinion. But I was a fan of how it played out. And, and Adam Silver immediately afterwards confirmed, oh, yeah, that was great. We're going we're gonna to keep doing that. And especially fostering that relationship with Vegas, uh, I, I like what they're doing, and I, I like the way that it played out. Now, maybe they let me design the courts next year, and then I'd, that, that's how I'd like them. Um, but wanted to get your thoughts as well. You talked Luka Doncic. Uh, when it comes to the MVP market, and Joel Embiid had been the betting favorite for the majority of the year, no longer. And it's interesting with the new rules, I believe the number is five, right? He can only miss five more games to, and still be considered eligible for the MVP. That's new this year, correct? That is correct. I believe it's 65 games is the games played requirement. Uh, anything below that, you're just not eligible for MVP or those All-NBA awards, which is interesting in this year where Joel Embiid would likely be my MVP based on the way that he's played, uh, the amount of 30-point games that he's put out there every single night. But when you look at the MVP, if you take Embiid out of it, I think it gets pretty interesting. There's always going to be talk about Jokic. Uh, I think Shea Gilgis-Alexander is probably a person that I would keep an eye on with the success of the Thunder have had and the performances that he's put on, his ability to drive the ball, score in the paint. The addition of that pull-up jumper has been huge. I do, have a, I do have a dart throw. Let's hear it. This is based on the Clippers' success and if they push towards the one seed. Kawhi Leonard. From out of nowhere. I've, o I've only said that here. <laughs> We're getting the exclusives here. <laughs> We're getting you there. Well, I, I wanted to get your thoughts. There was a guy that I had kind of a dark horse thought on, a guy who is going to be on a team that likely will be first in his conference when everything is all said and done. What do you think about Jason Tatum at 50-1 to 1 to win MVP? Is that a guy, you know, that would be just a bet on a good number right now because I do agree with you that Embiid or Jokic, any given year likely is my MVP. You got Gildas Alexander. I think Luka actually should have better odds than Shea. What about Tatum at 50-1? to 1? I, I, Jason Tatum is someone that I definitely have in the conversation in the top five for MVP. I, I think what may hurt him this year is the fact that not only is Boston good, but the whole team is very good. Mm -hmm. So if you dive into some numbers and do some comparative things, he may take a hit compared to some of the insane things we're seeing from Jokic or Embiid or even Giannis, Lucas Shea. So he might take a hit there. It, it kind of feels like he's one of those guys who would probably win MVP any other year but this one, if that makes sense. Whereas I, it's, it, I, I think it's just Boston's almost too good. It's almost hurting him. Him and Giannis, I feel like their teams are so good, it hurts them. It sounds counterintuitive, but for this award market specifically, that makes total sense. Yes, it does. And then you brought up Kawhi Leonard. He played uh, at SDSU. Did you guys cross paths when you were here at UNLV, or was, was he ahead of you? Nope, we crossed paths. He beat us in the Mountain West Conference title game so that uh, our year no longer will have a Mountain West Conference title banner. And it makes me very sad every single time because I think he had like 20 and 20 rebounds against <laughs> us in the title game. And I'd like talk about defense. I think the final score was like 55 to 49 or something like that. Well, that's that, that Brian Dutcher, uh, Steve, uh, that Fisher uh, grind him out style of play. What, what, what was your memory? What was your, uh, you really weren't matched up on him a lot likely, right? Because you were a guard. What was your memory of either being on him or near him on the court? Just, just your, your thoughts on Kawhi Leonard at that time. He's going to crash the glass. 
He's going to crash the glass. Where is he? He's going to try and rebound the basketball. Did he shoot? Is he also coming to crash the glass because he shot the ball? That was pretty much it for me. I was just, they were such a unique team as far as being tall and being able to score, but not really being able to shoot. But it didn't matter because they could defend and rebound. I see so you triggered a San Diego State memory in my head. <laughs> I see it in your eyes. <laughs> I'm fired up. Well, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Mountain West as a Me whole too. because, you know, UNLV right now about middle of the pack, but the top tier of the Mountain West almost non existent because there's four or five teams that are all bunched up right there. Colorado State, Utah State, San Diego State, uh, Boise State, uh, who am I forgetting? Even San Diego State. It's still, to this day, they're one of the most consistent teams in all of college basketball. I know you keep up with the Mountain West. And this is a team that conceivably in other years could put five to six teams in the conference tournament, but they have been cannibalizing themselves from within. It is a buzzsaw in the Mountain West this year. Your thoughts on the conference from when you played until now? Because right now, it is one of the premier I'll call it a power six conference. The Mountain West conference to me has always been underrated. And I think it's because we always beat each other Yeah. to where none of us can really stand out. And the story, I feel like never is the same. There used to be a joke back when at least my senior year, if you get ranked, good luck. Cause now someone's going to look to try and take your head off the next game. And it just feels like, okay, we have these two teams that everyone really respects. And we have this next tier of teams that are very good but only two of us are ranked. So if we don't beat those teams, we don't get the same love or respect. Like you look at just the bunching of it. You know, V's had an up and down year, which hopefully they're going to find their identity, by the way. Kev's going to get them right. Oh, yeah. Uh, hopefully they get, they get a confidence boost off the offensive game, uh, second half against San Jose State. But they go on a win streak. They're right back near the top of the Mountain West. I mean, that's just the beauty of it. Even Wyoming's two, <laughs> Wyoming's two and three in the conference, and they're two games from the top. It's crazy. It is nuts. Um, I, I will say I, I have an idea of what you might say just because of the atmosphere from a national standpoint. Your favorite arena to go to in the Mountain West outside of Thomas and Mack, of course. Ooh, my favorite one. I like playing at New Mexico. That's the exact honestly. one that I thought you were going to say. I'll be there in two <laughs> weeks engineering for them on the radio. I've never been. I'm so pumped to go to the pit. Oh, the pit is a, a unique, one-of-a-kind experience. We won there my senior year, so we, we end on a happy Hard note, right? <laughs> yes, very good. What about, let's talk about SDSU and what they did last year. How big was that for Mountain West for them to go all the way in to the national championship game? Huge. It boosts the conference. I mean, you never, quote-unquote, as a player, wanted to root for that team to go very far, but it helps the perception. And I think it, it helps people understand just how quality of a league that it is despite these teams kind of beating up on each other or fighting for respect, it's quality basketball. And you have to bring it every single night. You need to compete every single night. You you can't necessarily circle a team and be like, ah, oh, this is an easy win. Because if you show up and you don't compete, you don't play hard, you don't bring your style, you can get beat by anybody. I think, you know, now I'm in the memory tank. That senior year, we could not beat Utah in the regular season. And Utah was not very good. That's just kind of how the Mountain West goes. <laughs> Uh, one of our producers, Caden, behind the glass, is a current youth. So I know he's uh, excited to hear that. Uh, Steve Jones Jr. joins us here on Sports by the Book at Steve Jones 20 on Twitter, host of the Dunkers Pod, right? Yeah, the, the, the Dunkers Pod oh, yeah. podcast. Close. I had it. I had it. Last, last topic I want to touch on before we let you go uh, is the NBA All Star Game starters revealed. And I, we, we talked about it yesterday. I, for one, am glad that they went back to the East West format. I thought that the draft was kind of overplayed. And for a league that loves the drama on and off the court, I think it produced some drama. And I don't know if they necessarily liked that when it came to who picked two for that team. So I'm glad they're back to East-West. It's interesting to see how these starters are picked too, Steve. Starters decided 50% by a fan vote, which I'm surprised it's not higher. It's 25% by a player poll and another 25% by a media panel. And the reserves are decided by the head coach, who are the T-Wolves' Chris Finch and Doc Rivers. Yeah. Slides into the job, gets to coach his fourth all-Star game. So he's got experience when it comes to uh, running a, a, a exhibition All-Star team like this. Eastern Conference starters, Giannis, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Tyrese Halliburton. And the surprising one for me was Damian Lillard. Were you surprised to see him get the starting nod? I personally was not surprised. I know there's a lot of outroar as far as Damian Lillard against Jalen Brunson. I think they both will be All-Stars. 
I think the thing for me with Dame was just how important he was from a Milwaukee start. It was uneven for them, rocky for them. His play in the fourth quarters of games, I thought, really helped them add to the record, which was kind of boosting their season up to this point. Uh, it's interesting because Damian Lillard, it was kind of a split vote where Damian got in because he had the van vote, even though Jalen Brunson beat him with the media uh, and the players. But it's also funny because that happened to Damian Lillard like two or three years ago with Luka where he had the same split, but he lost out because of the fan vote. Uh, so I, I I would understand that's a little controversial, but Jalen Brunson's having a heck of a season. Damien's having a heck of a season. It shouldn't take away from the fact that I believe it's Dame's first time actually getting voted in, which has to be, oh my gosh, I'm not in the Western Conference anymore. Yeah. I can actually you know, <laughs> not have to deal with Steph Curry. So I thought that was cool. But also like Tyrese Halliburton, just getting the most votes from everyone. I think that's great for the game because of how well he's played. Go figure. All it took for Dame was to get out of Portland, and he's an all-star starter in his, in his first year in Milwaukee. And then in the, in the West Coast, or in the Western Conference, I should say, the, the starters, gimmies, easy five. LeBron, Jokic, Kevin Durant, Luka, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Those, those five are no-brainers, right? No-brainers. I personally thought that Stephen Curry would still sneak in, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander has been so good. And he was able to get the, enough love from the fans to keep it close enough and got recognized by the players in the media. So I have no no qualms or beef, especially that front court. I had those three locked in right from the first time I saw the ballot. Yeah, <laughs> SGA has our neighbors up north in Canada to thank for this all-star start, right? <laughs> do yes. You, do you enjoy the all-star game and the skills tournaments that they have? I don't know. What is I've always loved. Skills challenge. Skills I've challenge. Always, thank you. I've always loved All-Star Saturday Night, so I know the dunk contest isn't the same, but I'm going to watch it. Three-point shootout is very fun. Uh, salute to the idea of Stephen Curry against Sabrina Ionescu. We'll see how that goes out. The All-Star game, we will see if it's a little bit more competitive this year. It's kind of just one of those tradition things for me at this point, um, but I enjoy the festivities. I think it's a nice celebration of the game. Hopefully they can, Hopefully they can light it up a little bit this year. We've seen the NBA and the NHL also change up a little bit of the All-Star Game festivities. Just try to get the players, maybe not even to try a little bit more, but just to make it look like they're not not trying as right. much as they have in the past. Uh, so, yeah, that game uh, coming up February 18th at the Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Everyone knows the name of that one in Indy, uh, the NBA All-Star Game. <laughs> Steve Jones Jr., you were awesome. We will yes, definitely have you, you back on to talk some association. You can find him at Steve Jones 20 on Twitter. He's the host of the Dunker Spot podcast. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, that's about it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have you back. Steve Jones Jr., there he goes. Thanks so much for joining us here on Sports by the Book. And yeah, I loved his thoughts on the, 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 the voting and just getting kind of a, a, not an outsider's perspective, but somebody who isn't in the betting realm right. kind of talking about the NBA from a betting perspective. I always like getting different sources of uh, points of view on that. And we can use that when we have this all-star um, game coming up and the skills challenges because he, he knows a thing or two. He follows this so closely, watches every game every night. So we'll definitely have to rely on him for that. And of course, as uh, Mountain West junkies ourselves, yes. I, I will take every opportunity that I can take to to hype up the league. And yeah, this is a, a, a league in the Mountain West that I will say at this point, likely going to get three bids. They could have as many as six, but like Steve alluded to, they are killing themselves this year, and it's a good thing that it's competitive, but they are cannibalizing themselves from within this year, and that's been the, the past of the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, you called it right away. You were on a show with Jeff and I, and you said the Mountain West is looking really good. They could have five, but this will start to happen, and it has in conference play now. We've got about seven minutes left on the show and want to keep it in the association, talking about a uh, medium-sized slate, I will say, tonight in the NBA. Five games, all five home teams favored. Does that scare you? Yes. Okay. Is there, is there a matchup in particular that it scares you off of? Um, let's see. So there are a couple teams who are playing on back-to-back -back nights that I would definitely stay away from, and that's the 76ers. No Embiid yesterday. So I, we got to find out if we have him again tonight, but they're playing back-to-back -back road games, so I don't really like to back them. But I would look at that total we kind of were talking about off-air. I think that is a little bit too, uh, too low there, but... Definitely have to check if Embiid is back tonight. Yeah, 76ers uh, laying, or rather catching four and a half, plus four and a half at the Golden State Warriors. 76ers lost 130 to 104 in Portland last night, but no Joel Embiid. Like you mentioned, he is listed as a game time decision with a knee injury. But as we talked about with Steve, he's got to play the majority of the games the rest of the way to be eligible for MVP. And he's one of the handful of guys in the league where we know 100% that that's a big motivator for him. 
Well, it has to be, especially because the way he is playing. And I mean, that game was not competitive last night. No so way. he means so much to this team. He won the MVP last year. And people, once they didn't do well in the postseason, so many critics saying he shouldn't have won the MVP, right? Yeah. So now it's like he has another opportunity to win it on back-to-back -back years. I would think that he, I mean, I know he says it's not important to him. It's just an individual award. But for that reason alone, it has to be a little bit. He scored 70 and showed up the next day in a leopard robe. <laughs> I think he likes personal achievements, no matter what he tells you. Uh, that's always been his thing. 7 o'clock here on the West Coast 76ers at the Warriors. Another team that's on a back-to-back -back are the Boston Celtics. They defeated the Pelicans in Boston 118-112 to 112 last night. Back in action at TD Garden. As the Pacers come in, Celtics laying eight points at home in a game that starts in just over a half hour. Your thoughts on this one? Uh, Celtics are just too good at home. I would, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of points here with the Pacers, but it's it's just tough to go against Boston at home. And they've lost, what, one home game this year? Yep. And uh, they the line actually was at five and a half, open five and a half, and it swung all the way to eight, totals way up. Okay. So if you're going to take a play on this one, I like the under. It opened at like 240. It's up to 245 and a half behind us. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll fade that line move just kind of as a, as a blind play. Uh, really no uh, real injuries. TJ McConnell's been out for a while, and he'll be out with an Achilles injury until at least February 1st. So that's really the only injury that I can see for either side. Al Horford, same kind of deal as far yeah. as the timeline, but he hasn't made as much of an impact on this iteration of the Celtics as he had in the past. No, you are right about that. And I think it kind of goes to what you and Steve were talking about. This team is just so talented and have so many key guys. Yeah, Jason Tatum coming off of a 28-point performance last night in a Celtics win, playing second end of the home back-to-back. -back. The home back-to-backs are not as devastating. You got the 76ers playing in Portland and Golden State. That's not that far to travel. But when you're the Celtics on the other end playing back-to-back -back home games, right. it makes it just that much easier. I completely agree. Especially against the team in the Pacers further down and the betting market in the Eastern Conference especially. Uh, one other team that is on a back-to-back, on -back, uh, both road games, by the way, are the Lakers. They're in Houston tonight, taking on the Hawks, or rather in Atlanta tonight, taking on the Hawks. That one, 557-558 on the betting rotation. And the Hawks, minus six. Lakers losing to the Rockets last night, 135-119. to Do you think that that performance impacts their outing tonight? Okay, so who is out for this one? Because we have seen... A little bit of a line movement uh, Anthony there. Davis still out. Okay. And for the Hawks, I don't see anybody of note that's oh. out. Okay. I would I would lean to taking the points here with the Lakers. I don't trust Atlanta at all. They are one and four against the spread in their last five games. Nine and three straight up at home. I mean, nine and 13 straight up at home this year. And four and 18 against the spread. Wow. So I would, I, I know we can't, we haven't trusted uh, LA all too much since that in-season tournament, but Atlanta, they're very inconsistent. All right, so we'll lean Lakers plus six. That may be a squad ride. Uh, that game starts at 440, so we'll have a little bit of time when we get off the air here in just a couple of minutes. There's one game tonight featuring two teams on back-to-back, -back, okay. both ends of this Jazz-Knicks matchup uh, featuring the, the Jazz coming off of a loss in Brooklyn last night. They're in Madison Square Garden tonight taking on the Knicks. Knicks won in Charlotte yesterday by a 113-92 dominating win wire-to-wire uh, I think they come in with a little bit more confidence. The Jazz have been sliding. Did you see they're shelving their uh, yellow, whatever the association, whatever the, the names of the jersey are, their home primary jersey they're shelving for the rest of the year? No. I wasn't sure. a big fan. The yellow with the black lettering, it looked like somebody made it on Microsoft Word. Yeah, I think I'm going to trick it. So they're no more. No more, for at least the for the rest of this season, okay. which, which tells me that they're going to get a redesign at the end of this season, which I think that they need. But again, Jazz... Uh, plus four and a half. Knicks a almost five point favorite at home, and a total at this one a little bit lower at two thirty and a half. These are two teams that typically trend to the under, hence the low total in this game. Yes, you are absolutely right. The Knicks are twenty seven eighteen to the under, fourteen and seven to the under at home. I like I like them in this game. If anything, I know it's hard on back to back nights, but they've been playing really good. Five and zero straight up, five and zero against the spread in the wow. last five games. So they've been a, they've been a hot team. And then the only other game we haven't mentioned is the only game where neither team is on a back-to-back. -back. The well-rested, proverbially, uh, Raptors at the Bulls and Chicago, a home favorite of six and a half points. This one gets started at 5-10. Do you think the rest plays a factor in this one? The, the Raptors, since making that, that trade, have just gone off a cliff. Their betting odds have, have tumbled, and the Bulls all of a sudden starting to surge. Yeah, you're right. Toronto is... 0-5 in their last five and 1-4 and against the spread. So I don't feel very confident even with seven points with them. And then Chicago at home, 14-10 and 10 straight up and 13-10 and 10 against the spread. So it'd be a lean more to the Bulls. But 
Patrick Williams remains out for that one. Looking for Toronto here on the injury report. Either it hasn't come in yet or there's nobody of note. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that injury report. Uh, that game starts at 5-10. So definitely uh, double-check the injuries for the Raptors before betting that one. Five home favorites. And you said <laughs> that you, you liked the, the, the Jazz potentially to be the one. If, if there is one road dog to cover tonight in the NBA, no, who is it in your eyes? Lakers. Lakers tonight. I do like that. I like that one I as would well. take the Lakers. I like your reasoning. And then we'll close things up quickly. If you got to play on either of the two hockey games tonight, Blue Jackets, at Blues, the, uh, the the blue matchup, the blue man group, they need one more and they can have a show at the Luxor. Uh, and then the Kraken taking on the Sharks, that game at 7.30. Do you have a, a lean on either of these games? No, it's too hard. I think the Blues are up to about a $2 favorite, and I would lean to St. Louis there. And I'd also definitely lean to Seattle against San Jose. I made that number five and a half. So if, it, if we were getting six or six and a half, that would definitely be an underplay for me. But bookmakers made it five and a half, so... I can't, that's tough to go under that. Blue Jackets and Blues at 5, Kraken and Sharks at 7.30. That'll do it for us here on Sports by the Book. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe to South Point Studios. Leave us your live comments. We do check them after the show, so anyone sneaking in at the last minute, you can still get some love from the South Point Studio crew. Big thanks to Jerry, Caden, Ann, and Drew Dog. For my partner, Alex White, I'm Matt Neverett saying thanks so much for tuning in to Sports by the Book. Jeff Parles returns to this seat tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Punchlines with Frank Nicotero at noon. All that and more tomorrow here from the South Point Studios. So long.